0: pray. Father, we might well be here tonight facing lots of questions, lots of insecurities about the future, but please would you speak to us through the Holy Spirit tonight about the biggest future of all, so that as a group of people we might learn to fear you, that we might learn to trust you and that we might learn to love you because of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to actually leave out verses 14 to 20 and come back to them next week. So we'll still be in Exodus chapter 12 next week. Okay. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons according to what each can eat you shall make your count for the lamb your lamb shall be without blemish a male a year old you may take it from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of israel shall kill their lambs at Twilight. then you shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it and they shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water but roast it its head and its legs and its inner parts and you shall let none of it remain until the morning anything that remains until the morning you shall burn in this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand and you shall eat it in haste it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt I'll read to verse uh, 21 (coughs) then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clan." And kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by disservice? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the house of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And all the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron so they did at midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock Pharaoh rose up in the night he and all his servants and all the Egyptians and there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said up go out from among my people both you and the people of Israel go and serve the Lord as you have said take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and Pray for me, bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bows being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have whatever they asked. And so they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children, A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching, kept the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron this is the statute of the Passover no foreigner shall eat of it but every slave that he has bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him no foreigner or hired worker may eat of it it shall be eaten in one house you shall not take any of the flesh outside the house and you shall not break any of its bones all the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you all the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. It's a gripping story, and we're going to be gripped by it as we study it in church and as the children study it. And I think uh, uh, we've got Hannah and Debbie going out with uh, our children, and they've got all sorts of different things for them to do um, in uh, adjoining rooms. So uh, they're off and um, they'll have fun outside. Oh, we've got one child that's just slightly right? Uh, that's because she's come back from South End and she's tired. Uh, should I show you something to get you all crying? Do <laughs> you want to see something to get you all crying? Okay. Um, let me... Uh, to get you all crying. Uh, there you are. Can everyone see that? Um, okay. Righto. Let's... whoever whoever we've lost uh, beyond Debbie Debbie and uh, Hannah will probably come back at some point Uh, but we'll start by asking this question if I knew that spider was on your toilet should I tell you who'd want me to tell you if I knew that that spider was on your toilet you'd want me to tell you But, 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 but it's scary you'd be scared if I told you wouldn't you no yes but at the same time you would also be safe because now you know and I think actually if you tell anyone that God is dangerous they will turn around and say look you only try to scare me telling me that God gets angry with people you only try to scare me I don't like being scared but what if that is the only way to be safe. Because if you're not scared, then you're in danger. And uh, we're going to be seeing that in Exodus chapter 12. We're going to be learning how dangerous God is. We're going to be learning about his judgment. But that's because we need to learn about his safety. And you'll only learn about safety if you learn about his judgment. Well, let's see that as we go into the chapter, and first look at uh, the judgment of God. Now look, my friends, we're scared by lots of different things. Uh, Spiders, really, uh, should be the least of our problems, but we tend to get scared by all sorts of different things. But let me tell you, there is nothing more scary than the judgment of God. Because if you look at verse 29, you will see that there is death. And if you look at verse 30, you will see there is deep sadness in every home because of death. So that everyone in Egypt is completely devastated. Now, nothing else apart from the judgment of God could have done that. If an invading army had come into Egypt, yes, there would have been casualties, but there would also have been survivors. If some great natural disaster had hit Egypt, yes, there would have been people who died, but there would be people who lived. But in this case, every single home in Egypt is devastated and in distress. Nothing but the judgment of God can create sadness. And we see that in this chapter. Now we might think, actually, hmm, doesn't that make God a bit awful? I mean, look, if you know the story so far, you will know that what God did to the Egyptians was absolutely deserved by them. We say, really? God killing babies? The firstborn in every house? Well, if you know the story so far, you will know that Pharaoh and his whole country were pretty cruel and evil. And when you look at the first chapter of this book, Exodus, they start off by killing babies. This is retribution. This is justice. This is God acting against that evil. And we need to understand that that is how God works, that he does work against evil, otherwise we are going to think that evil will win in the end. And so there are nine different ways in which God punishes Pharaoh to show lesson after lesson that God will always act against (laughs) evil. So that you and I, years later, will always have confidence that God will act against evil because we've seen him do it. And we know that's what he is like. We must have confidence in a God who acts against evil. Otherwise, what happens in Dagnam with that lady in that park near where we live uh, and um, uh, being uh, stabbed to the head so ferociously? Well... You've got to say there is a God who will act against evil. The Bible gives us confidence to say that. But okay, maybe you and I can accept that yes, there are evil people here and yes, God is punishing evil. I think where we have difficulty is where we think about God punishing everyone. I mean, I can understand God punishing evil, but really, punishing everybody? Surely there are good people. I know really great people in my family, really great friends. Am I seriously saying that God's gonna bring them under judgment as well? Well my friends, what we need to see here from the Bible and learn from tonight is that actually God is going to be judging the Egyptians, but also, this plague is different, because in all the other plagues, the people of Israel didn't have to do anything, they they just got spared. But in this case, it doesn't matter which group you're in, whether you're an Egyptian or an Israelite, every house will have a death, unless there is a sacrifice which actually tells you the Israelites deserved death as well. Because it would happen in their houses without a sacrifice. Now, it is possible for us to, if you know the story, think of Israelites as victims of Egyptian evil. Well, Well, they are, but here's the point. The victims are evil too. And if you carry on reading this book, you will see that the Israelites are actually just as hard-hearted as Pharaoh. They won't want to listen to God. They will grumble against God. They will even make up their own God. And so the victim is as guilty of death as the oppressor. Everyone in the country is in danger of God's judgment. And as I said at the start, there really is nothing worse than God's judgment. And we need to learn about the judgment of God. And I press the button, and that takes me on to say that we also need to learn, secondly, about the safety of God. Because there is another way in which this plague is different to the nine other plagues that we've had. In the nine other plagues, uh, they say what's going to happen, and then it happens. But in this plague, it doesn't quite work out like that. It's not described like that. You could, if you look at uh, the Bible and open it up and look at exodus chapter 11 you could go from where god says what will happen in chapter 11 and you go about what god will do to the firstborn in verses four onwards and you can get to verse nine then the lord said to moses pharaoh will not listen to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of egypt and then you can flick over the page and pick up the story in chapter 11 verse 29 and it really flows smoothly on that's where the other plagues are reported god said it's going to happen and then lo and behold at midnight in chapter 12 verse 29 the lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of egypt that's how the other plagues are written up. but this time you don't go from chapter 11 verse 9 to chapter 12, verse 29, you have a whole lot in the middle. You have instead, in the middle, God telling people how to be safe. Before the judgment comes. And my friend, the big, big thing to realize about the God of the Bible, please, if you forget everything else, um, and all you can remember at the end of the evening is how lovely the sandwiches tasted and um, all the, the, the food that we've had and how job it was and how good the friends were. Yeah, that's fine. Remember all of that. But try and remember this one thing as well. Just one thing, okay? Try and remember this one thing. It's so big that you can only be safe with God if something else takes your death Instead of you. That's the difference. That here a lamb would be a substitute. There's a bit of a delay. Oh, Hello. There's something happening about this little machine that's not working quite as well as it normally does. Could you Oh, it could be. Oh, um, right, well, we'll, ca- we'll carry on. Uh, I'll keep clicking and hopefully we'll catch up fairly soon. The one thing that you find out is that the lamb would be a substitute. And God never wants the Israelites to forget that. That's why the blood was necessary so that you could see that something had died, that a sacrifice had been made to protect that house. That's why it wasn't just to show where the Israelites lived so God could see where their addresses were. If that was the case, where well, red paint would have been fine. But here, blood is a sign that something had died instead, or worse, would die in the house instead of the firstborn. And that substitute is such a big thing that they had to remember from then on that they all had to go out and get new diaries. So W.H. Smith's in the land of Goshen, where they lived, would have been doing a roaring trade because everybody had to get a new diary, and the first thing they put in their new diary in verse 4 is uh, is the 14th of uh, the month. Uh, and, uh, well, it was the 14th of the uh, month in verse 6, and that was when they were going to have the Passover feast that was going to be a feast that they were going to have on year after year after year after year because frankly this substitute thing wasn't just something for this little gang to remember it is for every single generation from now on to remember you can only be safe if a substitute has died instead of you to keep you safe from God's anger Now. It's really interesting when you go on to read the Bible and see what happened from there on in is that actually you discover that it's like God had written it into his diary this Passover feast and all the substitute teaching that it brought like God wrote into their diary at all the big events of their nation's life so yes it's going to happen here before the big event of leaving Egypt But it also happened when they got to the end of their trip, when they were just about to go into the new country that God made for them, or prepared for them, promised them. And before they took on the first battle of Jericho, which was the gateway into their new country, before that happened, Passover. And then when they were in their land and years went by and they were tending to forget God a bit, there were two great men in there. Uh, history, a man called Josiah and a man called Hezekiah and they reformed the people of God, brought them back to God and it was done around Passover. But when they forgot what Josiah and Hezekiah said and they still didn't listen to God and God in the end put them outside their land, when he brought them back into the land after 70 years of exile, guess what they did? prominent moment in their history? Passover that's how they remembered and again and again remembered at every major moment of their lives they were reminded that they were only safe with God because of a substitute and the substitute died instead now I know in this passage that uh, Uh, the substitute died instead of the firstborn. But it's interesting when we scratch our heads a bit and ask, "Okay, so who are the firstborn? Let's think about that. Because it seems obvious that it's the eldest son at first reading. And it seems like that when you get to chapter 13, which we won't get to next week, but the week after. And next week we'll see how the firstborn son had to be consecrated in chapter 13. So you might think the firstborn is the firstborn eldest son. But then you suddenly realize that they're told to take the lamb according to the size of the household. So it wasn't just a lamb that was going to benefit the firstborn son, it was actually for everybody who lived in that household. And if the next household was too small, but well, they had to get that one lamb, to cover two households so therefore you now have the possibility of one man covering two firstborn sons maybe it's just a bit more than we thought that it's just one person but then you look at the earlier part of the bible that we read in exodus chapter 4 verse 22 and you discover that the firstborn is god's word for the whole of his people as if to say there's going to be a lamb that would die for the whole of his people. Well, it is a lamb, but this lamb here is just a little signpost. It's a pointer. Because no one would ever want to say that a lamb is a fair swap for a human life. Got to have humans dying for humans as a proper substitute. And that is why it is amazing to hear Jesus uh, when he was uh, born being described as the Lamb of God. That's how John the Baptist points to him in chapter, John chapter 1 verse 29 to say here is the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the whole world. And sure enough, the night before Jesus died, another big prominent moment in the history of God's people, the night before Jesus died, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus said that his body and his blood would be broken and shed to set his people free. And he died on the cross. He died on the cross as a substitute, as taking God's anger on himself. Let me tell you, if you want to see how horrible the wrath of God is, the judgment of God is, just listen to what it was like when Jesus died on the cross because all he could say on the cross as he died was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what it's like. That's what it feels like to die under the judgment of God. My friends, every single person who is not covered by that sacrifice will spend forever in eternity shouting out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is that awful to feel the judgment of God. And only the Bible will tell us how true that is but knowing this what difference might it make for us let me suggest maybe three differences for three different groups of people first it may be that you're someone who's not yet a Christian maybe this is all really new to you and you are just kind of beginning to find out and going a bit wow this is different I thought we just went to church and sang a few songs and had a cup of tea. This is heavy. Yes, well it is, but it's important and it's true. Because there is a trap that we can fall into and that is to kind of have a God who does not judge where everyone's going to be all right in the end and everybody goes to a better place and all that kind of... Yeah, let's let's paint the future in that nice, safe way when the Bible tells us the future in front of God is dangerous. The New Testament calls it hell to go in front of God. And the important thing is that actually... We can think that when we get in front of God that the difference is that there'll be some people he says are good and some people who say are bad and well the reality is actually the only difference between some people and other people is some people will have a substitute to protect them and other people won't and therefore it is important to do something this is another way in which this particular plague is different to the other nine plagues we've been reading about in this plague someone had to do something to keep themselves safe the other plagues it just happened to other people they didn't have to worry about but here everyone has to do something if they are going to be safe they had to show that they trusted that this lamb and his sacrifice would protect them so please if you are not a Christian do something and I'll tell you what to do I beg you what to do really please would you go down on your hands and knees and talk to Jesus today, tonight Ask him to be your substitute so that the terrifying judgment of God will go over you and that he will keep you safe. Because what he did on the cross can do that to those who call on him. Would he do that? Would you speak to him like that? Or would you ask ask him to cover you and His family and your family with his safety, ask him. What happens if you're someone who's uh, been around church for a bit and well it's easy isn't it to think that we're on God's side. Loads and loads and loads of people do that and mainly because they've tried to be good and and frankly they probably have been good compared to other people who've done them harm. And maybe others have been less good and less good to us, and we've been hurt by that. And you might think, well, the Israelites were in that position, weren't they? They had been desperately hurt by the Egyptians. But, my friends, here is the hard thing to take in, and that is that you will have the same future under God's judgment as the people who have done evil to you because you are just as sinful and deserving of death as they are. We trust that God tells us that in order that we can turn to his substitute to keep us safe. Because there's a great danger, isn't there, of victims seeing themselves as victims and therefore not seeing themselves as sinners. Or victims seeing themselves as sinned against, but not sinful. And if you don't see yourself as a sinner, just as a victim, if you don't see yourself as a sinner facing God's judgment in hell, it's obviously less likely that you're going to be seeking a substitute to be your saviour. Now we all need to humble ourselves and appreciate that we deserve the same judgement as everybody else, whether we go to church or not. But there is a substitute who has died for us. He's our only hope of safety in front of God. It doesn't matter whether you're Egyptian or an Israelite. We've both got to learn this same lesson. Well, maybe we have learnt it, and uh, we are people who understand God's substitute. Have, I'm sorry, uh, we mustn't compare ourselves to other people who've done stuff to us. We deserve uh, the same future, and we need the same substitute there is something, if we are people who understand about God's substitute and we love the fact that he has uh, died to protect us, what response might we make? Well, I put those two words, thank and tell, and I think they uh, probably uh, say everything. Because if you think of it like this, if God wants the whole calendar of his people changed, so that this event is going to be central to their gratitude to him then my friend I would want to suggest that you put into your calendar every single day a reminder that you deserve God's judgment so that you can thank him for his safety from the bottom of your heart there may be other things that you want to be grateful for But this is the greatest act that God has ever done for you. And we'll only appreciate it if we say to ourselves, I deserve to die in God's presence. And Jesus has kept (coughs) me safe. Make that central in your diary, as the people of Israel made it in theirs but equally make his safety known to other people. If you look at verse 38, you will see a mixed multitude of people leaving along with the Israelites. And you might say, well, what is this mixed multitude where my friends, the only other people to be mixing with in that country is the Egyptians. So as they were leaving, they would be going with a fair amount of Egyptians. So obviously the Egyptians had heard what God was gonna do, And they'd obviously heard about how to escape what God was going to do. And we can see, we saw that last week, didn't we? That Moses, in chapter 11, verse 4, said what what God was going to do with the firstborn in the land of Egypt. And he said it not to a small group of friends in the Israelites' uh, uh, town, but when he left, he, he, he said that, and he left Pharaoh in hot anger at the end of verse 8. So... Pharaoh must have heard and therefore the Egyptians would have heard what God was going to do with the firstborn. No one was in the dark. And the Egyptians, we've already seen, were beginning to see that God was to be feared. His word was to be uh, taken seriously. And he'd already helped them to escape some of the plagues. And so therefore it's fair to say he would have uh, put uh, this uh, escape within their reach as well and that's why any believer who knows the only way to be safe would not just simply come to a new level of gratitude with their God but we also want to tell other people about him And that's why it is just so important for us, the Church, and individuals within our Church, not just simply to leave this place with a new personal depth of praise to go into the new week with, but with a new passion for the rest of our Church's existence, for the rest of your lives, to see how, whether you can take an Egyptian with you on the, on the journey to heaven. That is exactly what we do, Sunday after Sunday, we go out wanting to grab an Egyptian and take them into safety. Because they understand how God can keep people safe from his anger. So please, will you take the anger of God seriously because then, only then, will you take the safety of God seriously through the substitute that he has provided. But let me just uh, ask you to think about that for a minute. You talk to God in your own words, your own way, privately, no one will hear, in your heart. And you talk to God, and maybe for someone who isn't a Christian, you might want to say, God, please, would you be my substitute? Keep me safe from your future anger. Ask him, just as easily as that. If you're someone who's around the church, you might say, Lord, I, I have never actually thought that I needed this amount of safety. I deserve this amount of judgment. I thought it was people who did stuff to me that needed that kind of help. Oh, you might just want to talk to God about that and be humble with him. Or it may be that you're someone who is a journey believer and uh, you want to say, "Well, please, don't want to leave here today just uh, thinking the same old, same old. I want to be a person who prays to you at a deeper level for what you have done. (coughs) And would you please give me the great privilege of leading Egyptians into your kingdom? Well, in a minute you pray, we'll keep quiet, and then I'll pray. And then we take questions and answers, and you can have a fight with me and tell me you disagree. Um, <clears throat> we're amongst friends, and well, we don't uh, uh, <coughs> uh, mind uh, a certain amount of freedom of speech. We encourage it. But let's pray first quietly, and then we'll uh, speak to God together. Uh, Father, we uh, praise you that the Lord Jesus, even your firstborn, was willing (coughs) to die for us who face your terrifying judgment. (coughs) Uh, Please, through the work of your Holy Spirit in us, increase in us the depth of our gratitude, and please, will you give us the joy of leading others into safety. For the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen.